Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you might be joining us. Welcome to the Purpose and Beyond Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly R. Jackson. Let's just get right into it, as we always do. It's time for our Monday Morning Discipleship Podcast, and uh, it's a blessing to be back with you all. We, we missed on last week. We took a week off uh, for our Monday Morning Discipleship um, last week, and we did our other two podcasts. So just a word for those of you who do follow the podcast each week, and we definitely do appreciate you. Uh, this is going to be the only podcast that we do this week. There'll be no Wisdom Wednesday or Word for the Weekend. Uh, we're going to be on a little bit of a vacation, so uh, uh, we want to come back on and definitely get this in uh, before the vacation kicks in. So let's get back into our series. What does God have for me now? This is part three. What does God have for me now? And again, just because we missed last week, um, the basis of this this particular series that we're in right now is the idea that uh, there was a thought uh, that was shared on a social media post um, that was directed particularly at the black community. And and the the, the statement was um, that they wished that they had uh, taught us uh, more about financial literacy the same way they taught us about religion. And uh, one of the uh, comments uh, in the comment section uh, on that post uh, made the statement um, that we're talking so much in, in religion, in religious circles, if you will, about the next life. But what about now? What does God have for me now? And so uh, we decided that we would go in that direction and just kind of give you um, a series on that. What does God have for me right now to just kind of share and stress the fact that God is, in fact, blessing us right now? You know, everything that God has for us is not in the afterlife. There is a blessing in the afterlife. And as we've talked about uh, thus far in the series, you ought to be concerned about the afterlife because that's and we're going to talk about that on today. That's what's going to last. And so uh, let's get to part three. Now, we left off at the last podcast a couple of weeks ago. Um, one of the things that we said we we're going to get into is what it means to be godly prosperous. And that's probably going to be the next couple of weeks at least. What does it mean for us to be godly prosperous? And so uh, we're going to share some thoughts with you all on on that today. And then we'll then we'll be out of the way uh, on today. But listen, listen, we talk about this. What does God have for me now? And and one of the things, again, the last podcast, we dealt with the book of Joshua. When God says, if you stay in the word, I'm going to make your way prosperous. Now, again, when the Bible speaks of prosperity, I know what happens when we speak of prosperity. When the Bible speaks of prosperity, it is not just a money thing. As we said in part two, at the end of part two, we stress it's not just all of the prosperity that God has for you is not only green. It's not just green things, right? It's not just cars and and, 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 and houses and bank accounts. And it does not mean that God won't give you those things again, because we are talking about what God has for us now in the land of the living. But God's prosperity is not just a material thing. So, for example, we consider the book of Job before I get to my scripture on today. We consider the book of Job and we know the story of Job. Those of you who don't know that Job lost all of his his possessions and he lost all of his uh, his servants and he lost all of his children. Right. So so at the end of the day. Job's wealth is defined not just by the things he has, but the people that he has. And then as we went on, Job's health began to be challenged, right? All of he he lost his health. So when we talk about God making you prosperous, even in the book of Job, you see 
that Job had possessions, he had children, and then he had health. So God's prosperity, it spreads over a, a number of areas. And again, I want to stress this. God will make you financially prosperous. God, Yes, yes, God is involved in making people financially prosperous. But the prosperity of God is not beginning and ending with just the, 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 the material things of life. So, again, as we, we start this series, again, I told you all there was a comment made in, the, in that comment section that says, what about right now? The whole thing started around financial literacy. How come they didn't teach us how to keep money as much as they taught us how to keep our soul? Now, again, y'all, as a preacher of the gospel, I want to tell you that anybody that's teaching you more about your soul than they are about your money, quite honestly, they're teaching you right. Because your soul is going to last a lot longer than your money. Right. And again, we'll talk about that today. So so maybe 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 there was a little bit too much emphasis for some people on the soul end and not the money end. But even as we started this series, I said to you all financial literacy is in the Bible. And we're going to talk about that as we go through the series. The Bible does talk about us being good stewards, but all of God's prosperity it's not financial. It's not material. That's just a part of the game. And so, so we talked, we talked, we talked uh, in the last podcast, and we're going to get to it now where I said, what does it mean to be godly prosperous? So even as I use Job as an example, what it means to be godly prosperous, is not just having things, but having some wisdom, having a relationship with God. You, you know, when we, you, one more time, let me talk about Job for just a second here. With everything that Job lost, he didn't seem to really lose it. <laughs> I want y'all to hear me good. He really didn't seem to lose it. Actually, Job kind of held it together for a while until he started to feel like he had lost God too. If you read the book of Job, he was kind of holding it together. His wife told him to curse God and die. His friends came and they said it must have been something you did because God would never allow this to happen. Now, we know the whole story. We know, in fact, God did take his hedge of protection around, from around Job, and he allowed the devil to get at some things. Right? But again, in all of that, Job kind of kept it together until he kept asking God for an answer, and he wasn't hearing anything back. That's when Job seemed to kind of, as we like to say, become unhinged. That's when things became uh, off the rails, if you're a little bit, with Job, because he's like, I I'm trying to get an explanation, and, and he won't talk to me. So now I really feel like I got a problem because I lost all of these things and I'm hurting and my health is, is, is declining and I don't feel good. But I'd be all right if God just communicated with me. So, again, in all of that, though, again, Job's prosperity extends beyond having servants, having wealth, even having children. His prosperity was in his relationship with God. Because he knew that God gave him all of that stuff. Right? So 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 let me let me look at some scripture on today. I'll deal with a parable and I'll deal with some some other scripture in First Timothy, and then we'll be done on today. In the in the gospel that's recorded by Luke, in chapter sixteen, chapter twelve, rather, excuse me, chapter twelve, starting at verse sixteen, the gospel as recorded by Luke. New King James Version says it like this. Then he, and that he being Jesus, then he spoke a parable to them saying, 
the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentiful. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all of my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Verse 21 says, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and watches and is not rich towards God. Jesus ends that parable saying, if, if we're not rich towards God, then we really ain't got nothing. Right? He says, your soul will be required. He tells us this, this in the parable. Fool, your soul will be required. You have somebody even in this moment, even in this text, that's saying, what does God have for me now? Oh, I see God is blessing my crops. And I've got an overflow of crops. And one of the things I always notice about this in this text is that here's a rich man. And he apparently has some land that will yield crops. And he's blessed in the overflow. Instead of allowing his overflow to flow over to somebody, he said, I'm going to build bigger barns. So I can store all of my goods. And then he said, watch this, because he seems to be soul aware. He doesn't seem to be like uh, some of us that have the mentality, Lord, I want to be rich right now. I ain't really think about my soul right now. But the Bible says that he says to his soul, <laughs> he says to a soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink and be merry. He says to his soul, he seems to be conscious of his soul. So even in this moment, y'all, the word of God, Jesus is using this parable to, to, to tell us that there's going to be something higher required of you than just your material goods. Your material goods are not going to do you good when God says your soul is required. So being godly prosperous, right? Jesus says here, who lays up his treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. How come you're not rich towards God? How come you are not thinking of godly things? Right? Let's go back up. Verse 13, even in the same chapter, Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Then one in the crowd said to him before he gets to the parable, he says to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbiter over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Now, that's what Jesus says before he gets to the parable. Your life does not consist in the abundance of things you possess. Jesus is saying to them that you got to be rich towards God. Godly prosperity is in your relationship with God. It is not in your relationship with your things. You need to be rich towards God. An intimate relationship with God. Now, now again, the basis of this series that we're in right now is somebody saying, I don't want to hear all this stuff about the soul. 
I don't want to hear about what's going to happen in the afterlife. I want to know what God has for me right now. But Jesus points out in this parable here, before I move on to my next text on today, Jesus is pointing out in this parable here that it only takes one night for things to change. Here is a man who's telling his soul, I'm going to lay this stuff up in the barns and we got plenty for years to come. He has decided that he's got years left in his own life. And the Bible says that God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. You're going to have to give up something that your money cannot buy you out of. Your soul will be required of you. And then Jesus says, well, then who is, who's all this stuff going to belong to then? One more time. I think I, I think I've mentioned in the, in this series already. Well, I said to you all that, that, that Reverend Jackson has a philosophy that everybody dies broke. When you die, you don't have anything anymore. And it only takes a second for things to change. And so even in this text, Jesus backs me up on that. He says, when your soul is required, you don't have anything. None of that stuff matters anymore. And he says, now who all the stuff going to belong to? It's going gonna, it's gonna to transfer to somebody else who got to leave here one day. It doesn't mean anything. So, so, so uh, again, if you, you tie in these, these two things that Jesus is saying here, he says that your life does not consist in the abundance of things you possess. You need to be rich towards God. It needs to be more about more than, than about the things that you have or the money in your account or whatever. It's got to be beyond that. You've got to be rich towards God. Now, let me look at one more passage of scripture and then we'll get out of here on today. First Timothy chapter six. And I think we've touched on this before. I'm not 100 percent sure. But as I tell you all, all the time, you can never read scripture too often. Amen. So first Timothy chapter six, starting at verse six. So again, now I, I want you all to be clear. I want you all to be clear here. I want you to all to be clear. Again, Reverend Jackson is not against you having things. Reverend Jackson is not against you being financially prosperous. Reverend Jackson is trying to be financially prosperous. I want y'all to hear me good. Reverend Jackson wants money too. Reverend Jackson hopes that his investments go well too. Right? Reverend Jackson, when he writes a book, he wants it to be successful. So I don't want you all to misunderstand what I'm saying. But I'm saying to you, as the Bible is pointing out to you, as Christians, we've got to be more than about just that. It's got to be more than that with us. And again, we're pointing out the fact that God does have some things for you now. Even if you go back to that parable that I just came out of. This man was blessed in abundance right now, right at that moment in his life. But what Jesus was reminding him or, or, or Jesus was reminding those, those that he was teaching in that moment, rather. And Jesus is reminding us through the word of God is that that is not the end all be all. I will bless you right now. But at some point, your soul is going to be required. Your possessions won't matter. This is why you have to be rich towards God. God has a lot for you right now. But there is another side to the coin. So let's look at the scripture on today. And then we're going to get out of here on today. First Timothy chapter six. We're going to look at verses six through. Uh, I'll look at verse six through nine. Verse 10 is familiar pa- passage Bible 
Uh, we talk about the, the love of money is the root of all evil. But let me look at verses six through nine. And again, we may have touched on this before, but, you know, as my uncle used to say years and years and years ago, one good turn deserves another. Amen. So so let's look at this. Uh, New King James Version says this. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out and having food and clothing with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmless lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. So the word of God in first Timothy chapter six says godliness with contentment is great gain. What does it mean, Reverend Jackson, to be godly prosperous? To be godly prosperous. And again, we, we, you know, this is terminology that tends to rub people the wrong way because it sounds like I don't want you to have nothing to be godly prosperous. As the apostle Paul talked about being content and in whatever situation he is, he's in to be godly prosperous means whatever God has given me is enough. I just told you just a second ago, Reverend Jackson wants to be financially prosperous. When I write a book, I want people, I want everybody to buy it. I want to be financially prosperous. But you know what? Even though I haven't sold a billion books, even though everybody ain't got my book on the shelf, God has been good with me through. He's been good to me rather through those books. I've made some money. Again, some books have sold better than others, but I've made some money and I am content with what God has given me because you know what? I'm not missing any meals. My bills are paid. My children have all the things that they need and a lot of stuff that they just want. My wife has all the things that she needs and a lot of stuff that she just wants. God is good. No, I'm not rich. <laughs> no, I'm not independently wealthy, <laughs> but God is still good. And, and even though all those people that I mentioned there, my wife, my children, my mother, you know, I'm prosperous because there are people that don't have what I have. And they're looking at me and they're saying, you're wealthy. You, you got some stuff that I want, right? So, so godliness with contentment, the Bible says, is a great gain. New Living Translation says it like this. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 6. New Living Translation says this. Yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. True godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. This is godly prosperity, right? Verse seven, after all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Now, the context, the full context of that, you got to go to verse 10, as we talked about. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So, so, so what, what, what Paul is really saying here to Timothy and, then, and thus saying to you and I, is he's saying, listen, you got to be content with what God has given you. You got to recognize when you're blessed. Got to recognize when God has given you enough 
And yes, God will, in fact, bless you in the overflow. But you have got to be blessed with you got to be learned to be blessed where God has you. And this is what I'm talking about when I talk about godly prosperity. Again, we're going to talk about a little bit more next week. This is what I mean when I say I, I learn to be appreciative of what God has already given you. He's given you enough. It may not be everything that you want, but God has said he's going to supply all of your needs. And then he goes again, backing me up one more time when I say everybody dies broke. He says, you came into this world with nothing and you leave it with nothing. I'm going to die rich. You're going to die broke. When you die, you're broke. You don't have anything anymore. Even stuff that's being spent on you is being spent to bury you, spent to take care of your final expenses, but it still ain't yours. It belongs to somebody else. So this godliness, I'm going to end it right here because I'm going to pick this up again on next week. I want to dig a little bit deeper into this. This godliness, again, with contentment, is itself great wealth. How can I be godly prosperous? I can get into his word. I can appreciate what he's already done for me. Even as I pursue other things. I want you all to understand something. When we think about that, that text and uh, we think about that, that parable that we started off with today, I'll end it right here. We think about that parable. When God blesses this man, blesses him in the overflow, right? I, I submit to you that, that again, even the building, the bigger barns, it's not really that much of an issue because you got to put the overflow somewhere. But then when he says, I'm going to say to my soul, soul, you've got many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. That, 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 there's, there's an arrogance to that. There's, there seems to be a lack of appreciation in that. Thank you. Thank you for, for, for allowing me to have more than I need, God. And then, as I, as I often say, now, how can I bless somebody else? No, he says, listen, he speaks to his soul. He say, we good. If I can just paraphrase, he said, we good. You can chill right now. You can kick back and relax right now. We good because we got a lot of stuff. And the point of this series, y'all, is to drive this home to us. God has something for you now. But that ain't enough. That ain't enough. That's not going to be it. That's not going to get you into heaven. This is why if you want to know, if you want to answer this question, how come the black community spent so much time telling us about God, not just about money? Because we knew that once you leave here, the money ain't going to do you no good. Now, again, as I said, there's this there's financial literacy in the Bible. Yeah, we can teach you how to manage your money. I, I said that, you know, one of the things that I said about that post, and I promise I'm done here, is I said, I don't have that testimony because my mother did teach us about money. I'll be the first to tell you, I didn't follow every principle that my mother gave me about money, and I paid for it. But my mother gave me good principles about money, and it took me a while to listen. But eventually, I got it together. But I didn't always listen to my mama. But my mama had good principles about money. So I was taught about the Lord and I was taught how to manage my money. Everybody ain't got that testimony that nobody taught them about money. But at the end of the day, y'all, at the end of the day, it's good to be godly prosperous. It's good to have a wealth of the word in your life. It's good to be a, a, a full and stored up on Jesus. It's good to be to be good in that way. It's good to be prosperous in that way. And listen, if you're prosperous in that way, 
God will allow you to be prosperous in other ways. But you got to make sure, as Jesus said in that parable, make sure that you're rich towards God. I'm going to park it right here. We'll pick it up on next week. What does God have for me now? And so we'll pick it up on next week. We'll be in part four. We're going to continue. Uh, we're going we're gonna to put a little more meat off that bone, and, uh, off that bone rather than that First Timothy chapter 6 text. I'm going to put a little more meat off that bone. There's more to discuss there. But again, we got to that top part to make sure that you understood that true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. So we'll pick it up again on next week. That's all the time that we've got for this week. Um, Monday morning discipleship. Let me give you my tag as I always do. If you'd like to keep up with us, the best way to do that is to go to our ministries website, that website, www.krjministries.org. One more time, www.krjministries.org. If you would like to purchase any of our written works, if you'd like to help me be financially prosperous, amen, you can purchase one of our written written works uh, at the publishing website. That website, www.krjpublishing.com. One more time, www.krjpublishing.com. As always, we encourage you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to this podcast. We believe that it'll be a blessing to you. And share it with somebody. Tell somebody about the Purpose and Beyond podcast. If it's been a blessing to you, don't keep it to yourself. Tell somebody what we're doing over here. If you would like to support us, you can support us via PayPal at paypal.me forward slash KRJ Ministries. One more time, paypal.me forward slash KRJ Ministries. If you do that, we will definitely appreciate it. That's all the time that we've got for Monday Morning Discipleship. Uh, our series, uh, What Does God Have for Me Now?, Keep in mind, again, those of you that listen to our podcast on a regular basis, uh, this is the only podcast we're going to be doing on this week. Uh, we are going to take a little bit of a vacation and we will pick it up again on next week. And so, we, again, we thank you all for checking us out uh, for our Monday morning discipleship segment. God bless you and God keep you is my prayer. We'll see you all on next time. Be blessed.